we take these careful steps towards Christmas, we consider these Ephesian, this Ephesian text for us from especially that little part that says, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. It is a, it's a call to trust, a call to hope, and it's a call for us to have confidence in our God. I think it, as I, as I looked at that statement, that whole idea of immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine, I kind of just had to like think about it for a second, because it really is a profound statement. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, what do you think? You think that it's true? And they, without a doubt, like no hesitation, said yes, 100%. And I said, how can you say that? They said, well, I kept a prayer journal. And I have seen how God has worked in my life from things that I have written down that I don't even remember praying for. He has brought to fruition. He has done in more ways than I ever thought possible. In other words, immeasurably more. And I tried to reflect on that in my own life. Have I seen that work? And, and my first thought went right to my wife, to the love of my life. And I thought to myself how something that I've been praying for, you know, dear God, bring me that someone, that special someone who is so pretty, who is so beautiful, who I could marry. And he works it all the way out, right? It's just unreal how it brings it all together for two people to meet. And I promise you there's not a husband right now who is saying a thank you little prayer saying, Lord, that is true. And my wife, you have brought me far more than I could ever ask or imagine ever. And we see this theme of immeasurably more in our Isaiah 11 text today. And I, I don't know about you, but I love the book of Isaiah. Has anyone gone through that book? It's a great book. If you uh, were really good at language arts when you were in middle school and you really liked metaphors and similes, personification, onomatopoeia, and a bunch of other words that we've forgotten what they mean, then Isaiah is the book for you. It has awesome metaphors soaring on wings like eagles. It's got that whole idea of walking through water, not getting swept away, fire, and not being burned up. It is a great book for things like that. And in many ways, it has shaped the life of the Christian church during the Lenten and the Advent season. Especially during the Lent, we see those chapters 40 through 55 in Isaiah. And the idea of the suffering servant, the one who was wounded for our transgressions, and by his stripes we are healed. And during the Advent season, we see that in Isaiah chapter 7 with the, the, the prophecy of the virgin birth. Isaiah chapter 9, which if you've ever been a part of an Advent participant program, you know most of those verses. And if you can't remember, turn on that old Amy Grant CD. Right? We all know this, right? Two, three, four. Wonderful counselor. My... All right. Not going to lie. In my head, lights went off. People stood up and been like, Amy Grant, I got this. And we all kind of stood up and started clapping and, and shouting. But that did not happen. So I'm not even going to share with you the little ditty that I wrote for Isaiah 11 and, uh, and sing that one. I'm just going to dive into the text because I think that'll be safer. And it, uh, it, it really is a, a wonderful text that helps us see Jesus extremely clearly. We get to see exactly who he is, what he is going to do, and it helps fill our hearts with joy and wonder at his birth and about all the immeasurable more things that are going to be happening. And it's always important to remember when we're looking at these Old Testament prophecies about Jesus that, that, that there's some stuff going on in the background, right? Someone did write this that was happening during their time. It's also about Jesus, but it's also about us. We believe that the word is living that it influences us, our lives, it lives through us. And so this three kind of a fold idea is going to be driving itself home 
in our text. So what, I'm not going to throw the verses up there and try to jump back and forth. In front of you right here, you can follow along with me in the bulletin. We're going to go all the way to uh, verse 12 through it. But I'm going to start with that first verse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now, if you're wondering who's Jesse and you've forgotten because you're only thinking about Jesse's girl, shame on you. <laughs> Jesse is the father of David. He's the one, you remember, who lines up all his children when the prophet Samuel comes up and says, hey, I'm going to anoint one of your kids. He goes through the line, Samuel does, and says, hey, don't you got any others? And, you know, Jesse kind of like rubs his beard, does a quick count of his kids, says, uh, oh, you know what, I do got one more. He's out tending the sheep, brings him, and that's the King David, right? And um, by the way, I just got to take a moment because I'm up here and I can. Um, that story in Samuel 18 is the best because after he says, don't you have any other kids? And he says, yeah, I've got one in the field. Samuel says, we will not sit until he comes. And I just wish that they would have gone into a little bit more of what happens. Because it's not like you could text your kid to come down from the second store or second, uh, second floor. He runs down the stairs and says, hey, I'm here. He's out in the fields. So like, what do they do? Like, Kind of like standing around. You know, They send the messenger. The messenger goes off running, gets David. He's like scootering back on his razor. What's up? What's going on, everybody? And they're all just like standing there. I mean, it had to have been like at least 10 minutes. Maybe a day. Can you imagine them standing for a day? I just, I think it was crazy. Like, don't even think about sitting down, bro. He's like trying to lean. Not happening. Anyways, I have gone too far into that. So Jesse, father of David. David is a pretty big character in the Bible. He's the one that God promises your people will rule. Your name will rule on the king, on the the throne forever and ever. David has a relative that we look at during the Advent season. That would be Joseph. Joseph is the one who adopts Jesus as his own son. Other little background that we want to look at this is a stump. Why is it called a stump? Well, right now, the kingdom of David, that whole, if we visioned it as a big olive tree where its peace and prosperity was covering everything, the current king was not doing too well. In fact, it's pretty much a stump at this point. The tree has been cut down. The Assyrians have pretty much destroyed Judah, and 150 years later, the Babylonians will finish the job, not to mention during the time that Jesus is born, it's all done. The Romans are there. And the other idea about the stump, I don't know if you know this, is anyone an expert in olive trees? I happen to have spent 15 minutes on Wikipedia, so I would consider myself somewhat of an expert in the olive tree. And if you're like, dude, you're not an expert, it takes at least 16 minutes, well, then I would say that at a party, and if someone had an olive tree, I could at least engage the audience for about a minute. Let's see if I can. Now, the olive tree, which, while very plentiful in the Mediterranean region, and the symbol for peace, think olive branch, is not what I found most fascinating. What I found most fascinating about the olive tree is that you can chop it off and leave it as a stump, and it can still grow back to life. In other words, something that looks like there is nothing going on in the surface is working underneath to bring forth life. Something that is dead and done can be made alive again. And I know that during the holiday seasons, it's not all presence and joy. For some of us, it is extremely hard. And if you are feeling like a stump, like you've been cut off, like you have no hope, and you just don't know what you're going to do this Christmas season, there's a reason we ask you to put those prayers on the back. St. John's is a place where we have people 
who care, people who will pray with you, people who will come to you. And I would encourage you to reach out and to do that. If you are hurting, take that step. Because God is always working, even if it doesn't look like it. He can do immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. And there's even more in our text that we're going to go through. That was just verse 1. Look at this. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, a fear of the Lord, and delight. See, Jesus becomes the, the perfection of all of these things. In wisdom, Luke chapter 2, he's a child, and they're amazed by the answers that he gives. In his understanding, and his care for the sick, and the lost, and the hurting. In his counsel, his teaching on the Sermon of the Mount. In his might, his power that he shows over demons, over sickness, and over death. In his knowledge of knowing our hearts, of coming to us. In the fear of the Lord, on his knees praying, Thy will be done, Lord, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in his delight, when he looks out and he notices that the harvest is plentiful, that there is work to be done. And yet it doesn't just stop with who he is and what he will be about. It also talks about what he will do because there is always immeasurably more with our God. With righteousness, he will judge. He will be for the poor and for the needy. He will take down the proud and the wicked, not with brute strength, but just with a word that cuts to our hearts. Did you know that before a little baby was born in Bethlehem, this idea that we are all created equal was not the normal thought, but instead it was a hierarchy. The king is the best, and the rest of us are just inferior versions of mistakes. And along comes a man who says, no, you are made in the image of God who brings dignity and worth to every single human being, regardless of race or gender or who their parents were. And that is Christmas. That is the hope. That is the point when everything changes. Because God loves us. Look at verse 5. Even more, immeasurably more. He will be righteous and faithful. Righteous as he will live the perfect life and by his grace and mercy go to the cross for you and for me. And faithfulness as he does not abandon us. Faithfulness even as we drive the nails into his hands and feet. He cries out, Father, forgive them. And faithfulness so that when we meet him in heaven, He looks at us and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And there's still immeasurably more that he does. Not only does he restore and redeem broken sinners, but read verses 6 through 9. And what you see is you never hear the word Adam, you never hear the word Eve, you never hear the word Garden of Eden. But all of the chaos that came as a result of sin when the world was thrown into a conflict of hatred and animosity, will be redeemed and restored. And did you catch that part about the child and the snake? Everything redeemed and restored. And then comes the very best part in verse 10. In that day, the root 
of Jesse. Gone from a shoot to a root. A root that trees will anchor to. Trees that will bear fruit. And there's still immeasurably more as he stands for the banner for all the people from the four corners of the world, each and every one of us. He lifts a banner not made of cloth, but the Son of Man will be lifted up on a cross so that the entire world will know and that all will run to him to be saved. And still, there is immeasurably more. Because this Savior gives you his spirit without measure. Each and every one of us have the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us has been equipped with the full armor of God. A breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, a belt of truth, a sword of the Spirit, a shield of faith, and feet fitted for the gospel and the good news. And in this Advent season, whether you're feeling like a stump, a tiny shoot, or a tree, he comes to you in a manger. He comes for you on a cross, and he will come again in all glory to gather and to assemble all his children. And so with a heart full of joy, we say these words from Ephesians 3.20 once again. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.